Hello, my name is Anton van der Meer, and what we're doing is we're making sound. Fantastic. Hello, Anton. How are you? I'm very good. How are you, Jan? I'm well, thank you. This is uh, Making Sound, episode uh, 65 with Jan Klaus. And mm. I have uh, as my guest Anton van der Meer, or van der Meere. Yes. If you say it in Sudafrikaans, <laughs> yes, in Afrikaans. I grew up in South Africa, but I'm sure you know that. Oh, yes. No, I did read your bio. That's amazing. So, indeed, I am a full-blooded van der Merwe, uh, Dutch descent. And um, But what happened to me was when I was traveling all over the world and singing in New York and on the cruise ships, no, nobody could ever pronounce my name correctly when they announced me to go on stage. So it became Anton van der Merwe, van der Merwe, and at uh -huh. one stage it even became Anton van der Seemew. <laughs> so we changed and we just dropped the W and it became van der Meer. I was just wondering what I was one. I was wondering what happened to the W in your name. <laughs> indeed. Now indeed. I know. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So Stage you know, look. Name. You know. We, yes. Sure. Sure. That's okay. You know. The only problem is now when you Google you. When I Google you, Anton van der Merwe comes up, and you have to click through to you know Google to to your name. But hey, you know, eventually people will find you. And uh, luckily, I'm the only Anton van der Meer, M E R E. So the moment mm. people type that incorrectly, it pops up immediately. Cool. So on iTunes and um, Spotify and everything else. So that, that could be a positive, couldn't it? Yes, it could. And it is. And thank you for being on the show. And uh, you welcome. You got it, man. And welcome, everybody, for this, uh, welcome everybody to the show. Uh, it's good to be back with uh, episode 65. And let me tell you a little bit about our guest. We might have a second guest joining us here in a little bit. There were some audio issues with Mr. Thomas. And uh, who, who might be joining us in a little bit. But uh, I'm going to talk to, start talking to Anton about a musical project that him and Thomas Mace Archer Mills uh, put together to, as a tribute to Queen Elizabeth. It's a jubilee to Queen Elizabeth's 70, 70th year anniversary yes. as queen. I mean, which is yes. crazy. You know, the longest, I think she's the longest monarch, right, ever? She is. I think there's two more monarchs that has reigned longer than her at the moment, but mm. that's only by a few days or months. Um, uh, I think Louis the Fourteenth uh, became king when he was a child, and wow. he lived till he was about 84 or something. So there is, is a right? bit of a this thing, but she at the moment... Uh, one of the longest reigning monarchs in the world. And it has been 70 years. She has been such yeah. an inspiration to the whole world. And I think that's probably one of the biggest motivations for us why we actually uh, went down the route for this project and composed EIR, the Platinum Record of Jubilee Anthem. Yes. So it's it's been a, an amazing experience the last 18 months that we've been busy with the project. Yeah, look, congratulations. You know, the, the record just came out and... April 20th of 2022. Yes, ended. And it debuted at the, on the UK iTunes Classical Chart at number one. Yes, actually number one. Huge. And number two. And number two. Yeah, I'll explain that in a, in a moment. And then well, also not, it came on... Go ahead. No, go ahead. It, it, it also uh, debuted at number 27 on the overall UK chart. Yeah, and it's, so, it's got two songs on. It's not really an album. It's basically yes, no, two it's, singles. It's basically, it's, it's, it's we're still classed as a single for the release, but it actually mm. has two pieces. Right. So the very first piece is entitled uh, Four British Nations. That was composed by Dr. Olga Thomas and uh, arranged by a very well-known UK arranger and conductor, Robert Emery, with his orchestra. And uh, Thomas, that is uh, hopefully due to still join us shortly, he arranged the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is, as I said, entitled Four British Nations, which basically is a, a very uh, algoric, uh, pomp and circumstance type of piece, similar to what you would hear when the Queen actually walks down the Isle of Westminster when mm -hmm. she is being coronated. So it's really beautiful classical music. Mm -hmm. And then my piece is a piece that I I, I wrote. I, did the, I composed the music and the melody and the chord structures and everything. And Thomas and I wrote the lyrics together. Mm -hmm. And uh, being South African, we I was in charge of the Commonwealth. 
So we to, we take the list. You were in charge around. of meaning meaning what? <laughs> the the music segment of the Commonwealth. So we we are basically um, as I said, four British nations, the UK, and the four nations in the UK: um, England, uh, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. And then we we go around the world to all the ray, um, places the Queen is actually still head of the Commonwealth, and also the the, the principalities and kingdoms she actually reigns over. Mm -hmm. So we start in Africa, um, where I grew up, obviously, as we said earlier, and, um, and then both. we start with beautiful Swahili chanting mm -hmm. and, um, and Afri African percussion, and, and then the lyric starts when she's a young girl. Mm -hmm. And then we take the music over, over to India. And uh, in that segment, we've got beautiful Indian chanting again, um, all chanting that actually says, God save the queen and hail the queen and, and exalt the queen. And, and that is in Hindi. And then we've got the, the Indian instrumentation, the Indian percussion and sitars that really gives you that beautiful feel. And then we take it over to Australasia. And we also incorporate the Caribbean in that segment where we've got Maori chanting, we've got the didgeridoo from Australia, we have got the steel drums from the Caribbean. And um, yeah, and then, and then we almost make a full circumnavigation and we end up in, uh, in um, Scotland and Ireland, again with Scottish bagpipes. And, um, and that's quite a, a, a poignant a piece of lyric also because we actually refer to the oath that the Queen made as she was 21 in Cape Town. And we felt it very, very um, uh, good to use as the bridge because that's been bridging her whole life also, the oath she made to the world, however long or short that she would serve. Mm -hmm. And then we actually bring it all the way back to Buckingham Palace and we've got a nice key change. We've got the London Community Gospel Choir joining in with our two wonderful sodas that I'll tell you about shortly. And we've got this big celebration and we see fireworks and everything. Well, I did when I was writing it in my mind. So, mm -hmm. And you yes. have Leslie Garrett and Rodney Earl Clark as yes, soloists. We have who are relatively well-known well -known opera singers, correct? That is correct. Yes, mm -hmm. Leslie. Uh, she is a, a national treasure. She has. She was actually the the um, principal soprano for the English National Opera for almost ten years. She went on and did a lot of musical theatre. Also afterwards, she had her own television show, own radio show, and she is just the most wonderful lady from Yorkshire. Um, uh, here in England, and she's still so down to earth and so full of life and so full of energy. It was amazing to work with her. And then we have got the formidable um, Rodney L. Clark. He is a second generation Caribbean man, um, beautiful bass baritone voice, and he they just complement each other amazingly. And then, as I said earlier, we then have the London Community Gospel Choir that actually backs them and the final chorus. And uh, what's quite great about them also is that they've now just gone through to the, the final of the Britain's Got Talent again. Mm -hmm. So we've really got some amazing artists that work with us. And you have Scotland. some history with Britain's Got Talent, have you not? Yes, indeed. In 2000, after I left the cruise ships in 2003, 13, I wrote, I joined, I, I signed a, a development contract with the record label and we created some music through that. Um, and then through that, I was actually scouted through Psycho for British Got Talent and, um, and X Factor. So mm -hmm. that was a great experience. And they used, your, the, they used one of your songs that you wrote called Vision? But did they use it or how, can you tell us about this? What happened was that Vision was the song that I got scouted with. Vision is a, is a I, I, try, I tend to write quite spiritual music and uh, music with a higher meaning and people to think about. And they really loved the song. And, and what, but what happened, unfortunately, right towards the end was when I had to do my final audition, I got laryngitis. And uh, it was really heart-wrenching. bad news. It, it is bad news. It closed that door on me at that moment. Wow. And, it and really they couldn't actually, reschedule you? Well, they asked me then to come back. That's the how, how it worked to come back for X Factor. Mm. But what happened with X Factor was that um, I, I didn't think I was a, the X Factor type of singer, being a classically trained tenor. 
So I, I said, yes, I'll keep it on the back burner. But then some personal life just took over, as it often does. And not long after that, I actually left the UK and went back to South Africa for a bit. So Right. So, so do you want to talk about that? Do you want to tell us what, what happened? Like, I mean, because that's a kind of a big, you know, sometimes life throws us a curveball, you know, and it looks like you've recovered quite well because you managed to bring this back together. So I can see, I can see by looking at your, the expression on your face that you are a, a fighter. Am I wrong? Um, well, as, as you know, you also growing up in South Africa, we do come with a bit of tenacity and we do uh -huh. come with a bit of... And you're from Port Elizabeth, right? I am originally from Port Elizabeth, yes, where um, our, our president, Nelson Mandela, he came from that same era, mm -hmm. area. And um, yeah, so what happened... And you got to perform the... for him too. <laughs> yes, that also a lot also to happened. talk about. Yes, and yes. And the Queen. Can... Yes, and that was an amazing queen. experience right. in 1995. Um, to get mm -hmm. back to your question about what happened with X Factor. So obviously, you all this amazing stuff is happening. I've signed the deal. We've, well, the, the development contract. We've created the music. That went really well. Um, they asked me to do another competition called Open Mic UK, which is almost like preliminaries to the X Factor. It's all, there's quite a few um, scouts that come and psycho come to do that also. And uh, there was a, a gentleman called Eddie Edwin Hall that was one of the judges. And I sang in that in and that competition did really well, got through to, to the semifinals. And then I had what year is this that we're talking about? This here? was in the 2013. Uh -huh. And um and then when it get, got to the next to the very final, um, and I had like amazing reception from the crowd and everything, I didn't go through. So I was a bit shocked. And then I thought, okay, I don't understand what's going on. But then on that Monday, I got the phone call from Psycho saying this comp that competition is specifically for X Factor. But because you're classical and you've written your own music as such, we would like you to come for Britain's Got Talent. So that gave it about a year or not a year, about eight months before I had to then go for that next auditions for for Britain's Got Talent. Mm -hmm. And as most things, life takes over again. And I was a bit of a bit in limbo. I did do a bit of performing everything. But in general, just to survive, uh, my partner and I was busy with our businesses. And uh, we opened, uh, my partner's in horticulture, and we opened a garden center and a, and a florist. And we were working at that a lot. Wow. And then over that December, um, when I had to go for my auditions at RADA, um, I was also selling Christmas trees in the snow. Is that right? So, Anton, so you are that, you are the real deal, man. <laughs> it, it's, wow. it's been hard work. Mm. So, at the end of the day, um, yeah, that's the because I was actually working in the cold and everything that actually created the the laryngitis and me losing my voice at that stage, being quite ill when I went into Rada. I still went in. I tried. Wow. I sang, and they said, "Listen." This was just before you go on to the next round, before you meet Simon. And they said, <clears throat> we would really love to put you through, but at the moment you can't. Mm -hmm. um, would you be interested in coming back to the X Factor later that year? I said, I said, well, obviously I will try now, but it will have to be, become a completely different competition because now you are competing week after week with, with a whole new song and all sorts of stuff. And usually the class, crossover classical singers um, there's not many that's really done that well in the UK. There was one gentleman called Ridian. He was amazing. And, but he was quite out there and quite spacey. And uh, he did a lot of space things. And he, he like this um, white, white hair and everything, quite Scandinavian looking. And, um, <laughs> Scandinavian. And, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. and he did very well, but I just didn't see myself doing any of that. So I can think I interrupt you? Can I, can I just... Can I interrupt you? Because I mean, it, it, I'm I'm really fascinated, and you, you know, you've got me on the hook for, with this story because I think about these types of competitions, you know, and and I think about how uh, these, you know, uh, there are many of them, you know, mm -hmm. at this point. They started as talent shows in the '60s, really, yeah. on American yeah. television, and then mm -hmm. became, you know, uh, part of pop culture, really. And X Factor was one of the first. Yeah. And then that turned into um, 
Idols, or you know, in, in South Africa, it's actually called Idols SA. Yes. And uh, but American Idol, obviously. Yeah. And you know, I I never I never really got involved with those, but I have friends that have, and I have uh, I've worked with people that are on The Voice. Like I've worked with Karen Zoid. Like Karen yeah. Zoid oh, and yes. I have a singer have a song together called Pour the Champagne, and she was a judge on The Voice in South Africa. Yeah. You know, so um, but I never really pursued that you know seriously, but mm. from what I've you know gathered. Uh, these these types of competitions will they I wouldn't I don't want to use the word take advantage but I think they they uh, thrive on on the need of of um, you know talent to mm. find like a shortcut to success you know and it and it works for some and some people develop you know big careers out of it and yeah. very few very few. Because the, the, I, you know, really what happens in the background is they kind of own you, you know, you, you really yeah. are, you become a, a part of the show, you know, exactly. and that's something that I, I always impart on up and coming people, up and coming young artists, you know, uh, you're, you're part of a scripted environment, you know, True. and Everything, so, uh, everything it, is set. Everything is set, you know, it's, and I, I think it's, you know, hearing your story on this and you're obviously someone that has a big dream and it has a lot of talent. I listen to you sing. You have a great voice. You. And, you know, the, the getting involved with it, with something like that, a TV show like that, you know, um, having really preparing for it and then, you know, life kind of takes a different mm -hmm. path do you think about that in a sense of, you know, this wasn't meant to be, maybe there's something else for me out there. And now, you know, you've got like a number one song on iTunes without having to do all of that X Factor stuff. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like, look, if, if, if it works out, great. But like, don't you feel like now, you know, nine years later, this was maybe a better path? I, I have 100% believe that. I am a very firm believer in what what will be will be, and also what needed to happen was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I might have might have not been my time. There's I've had some amazing opportunities in my life before, also just doing things and and doors opening. But I am very wary of when I see a door close, not to try and push it open. Mm because there's a fine line between being a fighter and fighting for something and also knowing what you need to fight for. And as I said, I'm actually quite spiritual and I do believe in following uh, this voice or this gut feeling I have. This is why I didn't actually carry on with what they offered me afterwards with X Factor. Um, because I actually realized how scripted everything was and how every everything has been taken over and it's all good and well. I mean, they, they can put you on the map if you are according to the liking of everybody in the public. But once again, the genre that I'm in is not necessarily a genre that is loved by everyone. It is actually frowned upon in the classical, classical world. They do not necessarily like crossover classical music. They don't like the modernization. They don't like the classical singers singing more modern music. Yes, there is an amazing um, uh, uh, fan base out there that does love it. But these, the, the, the very, very yeah, I mean, classical I singers are... Uh, audience of sure. actually quite against it unfortunately sure 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 but that uh, it is what it is you know i think mm. there's there are a lot of singers that uh, cross over into pop or classical pop mm. if you will call it that you know i mean the whole genre thing is like come on you know mm. like let let the music do the talking yes. you know uh, uh let the music do the talking and the, i think the right songs and the right music and the in the good music finds its own audiences because it's subjective really you know mm. it doesn't mean anything if someone doesn't uh like it or can connect with it you know i i, I believe mm -hmm. in the fact that the right music will connect with you the listener at the right time you know yes. because music has a purpose music has the purpose of connecting mm. purpose of giving Uplifting. pleasure joy peace pain 
it it can trigger all kinds of mm. emotions in you and mm-hmm. it, it it's supposed to help that you know but i mean i i think that you know i wouldn't you know who cares you know if you're following your heart and your gut like and i i feel like you're doing that now maybe you didn't do it as much then maybe you're doing it now you know uh, the better life and the and career gets, you know. I always felt like for myself that if I, if I was being dishonest with with myself and mm. who I was trying to, if I was trying to be yes. someone I'm not, it never mm. really worked out. You know, it's a no, it if you do that, you know, you better you know be a good actor because then you have to hold up that act <laughs> until you're done you, you know until and you're you, right you can't fake it can you you can't fake it back fake it till you make it not for long <laughs> no exactly not for long so um yeah no I, I i i am i am so glad it didn't work out then because it took me on a on this journey once again i believe life is a journey and and that's how i for instance met thomas um, I met Thomas in 2018 through mutual friends. And because I then, at, I, well, I released the first three, uh, my first EP that had vision, uh, rise up and uh, anything is possible. Um, but I'd released that in 2018. Then in 2016, when I went back to South Africa, I, I did the rest, which was just all covers. But Thomas and I became friends in 2018, and he was following my career out as I was following his. And that's how it all came about um, in 2020, the end of 2020, when I'll tell you this little story also. This is also quite amazing. So I came over to the UK only for 10 days because I had to renew my UK papers, my indefinitely mm-hmm. free main papers. I don't mm-hmm. have a passport as of yet. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to be here for 10 days and then fly back to the sunshine in South Africa. That was in the winter. <laughs> in England, there's not so much of that. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. So then I was due to fly back on the 1st of January, 2020. Uh, yeah, 2020. Sorry, so, yeah, well, I'm getting a bit confused. But at the, the end of the day, everything locked down mm-hmm. and I couldn't leave. And I was basically stuck here in England with, with my family on this side. And so the lockdown the in, in the UK, when did that start happening in 2020? Because ours here in New York, where I'm talking to you from, started in March, March, April. Yeah, so that was the second lockdown here. Oh, okay. uh, yours, yours and ours in South Africa and the one in the UK roughly started at the same time, March, April, that time. Mm-hmm. So everything, then everything got relaxed. We could actually travel again towards the end of, of 2021. And... I'm no 28. I'm so confused with the dates now. No, I mean, like, yes. it, it is confusing, you know, but I have to say, you know, kudos to the Brits for, for uh, uh, you know, starting normal life very quickly, again, overall, before other countries did. And they were kind of frowned upon doing that for a while. No, that, but, that is true. Uh, you know, it, uh, and look, you know, everyone has a lot, of, people have different opinions on this, but, you know, I, I didn't think that locking down was long term not a good idea you know now we're seeing the same thing and and they're trying to do it in china again it's just hurting the economy and it's just hurting the people so um yeah no so so you uh you guys met and you you connected and you you um yeah when did the idea to make this this tribute to queen elizabeth come about and how i mean obviously thomas works in that field yes so thomas actually they did a single ready with the with the diamond jubilee in 2012 um, and they did a uh, they did a single then that did quite well. Um, it came up against Gary For the Barlow. 60th. And, sorry. For the sixtieth. Yeah, diamond, yeah, her sixtieth jubilee. jubilee. Yes, yes, the Diamond Jubilee. And um, and so he's actually had this idea to do something a lot more grander since then. And it came up I against s- Gary Barlow. Gary Barlow from uh, from Take That. Take That. Yes, and uh, and and Sir Le, Andrew Lloyd Webber, they composed the song called Sing, and um, 
but even then, Thomas, they, they said that it actually didn't reflect the Jubilee as, as much then. So he had, do you really want to do something spectacular? And um, then, as I said, I was locked down here. And then I got the phone call and he said, where are you? I said, well, I'm actually in England. He said, well, would you be willing to start thinking and working on this project? I said, well, I'm stuck here for I don't know how long. I might as well. And that's how it all became. So mm -hmm. once again, there was some sort of a divine intervention for me to be here and for the whole situation to happen like that. And um, yeah, so we sat down and we started uh, concept development. We did all the, everything that he wanted to say and that uh, in, in the music we got through. And I mean, we've both, I'm a, I'm, I love the queen. I love her. Um, so much, and I really follow her career. Well, I say follow her career, but I've just followed her and everything she's done and stood for. And I love history, so going into the historic mm -hmm. um, background and the fact that she was never even really supposed to be queen if it wasn't for her uncle that abdicated, mm -hmm. and all those things was also quite divine in her life. Yeah. And uh, so, can I ask you something? Can I ask you something about? Oh. How, do you need to? Uh, how does that work if you write a song as a tribute to a jubilee for the Queen of? England do you have to contact Buckingham Palace and ask them for permission and do you try to get their involvement how does that work Yes, we well, we we have tried. We do try and get their involvement, but in general, the palace is do not does not want to ever have show any favoritism for anybody. So everybody does that on their own accord and then present it to the Queen. So at the moment, we are actually in the process of presenting the, the album to the Queen, well, the, the single to the Queen. It will hopefully arrive with her in the next week before the Jubilee. And uh, so this, you can basically, anybody can step in if they want to do this and they can generate the funding. As you know, it's quite expensive and do all that type of thing as to, to start the project for mm. if they want to do that for the Queen. So, yeah, so there's not the... the it's it's a matter of coming together with the idea, getting the right people involved, and then starting the project. And, well, she's and she's one one hell of a tough broad. I'll give her that. <laughs> you know, I mean, she is ninety something now, and this is ninety six. Ninety six years old. Yes. And her seventieth anniversary of the coronation will be what date? May. Uh, well, her June? jubilee has happened. As she's already been queen since she's her uh, jubilee started on the sixth of February. That was the day her mm. father passed away 70 years ago. I see. So that day she becomes queen. I see. But they are then her birthday was on the 21st of April. That's when we re released the album to her, the, the single to her as a birthday gift. Mm. And now in this, the June spring holidays, that's uh, bank holidays, that's when we have the big jubilee. So this whole year is her jubilee. And then her, the coronation mm. actually happened 18 months later after she became queen. I so see. she only got crowned in July, uh, the year afterwards. So next year, we'll actually have the jubilee of her coronation. Got it. So Fascinating. This is a year thing. Fascinating. So, you know, you can have some life with this music or maybe mm -hmm. add some more to it and, and make it an actual. Exactly. Album. I mean, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so I, I'm fascinated with your fascination with the Queen, mm. as well as your colleague Thomas, who's originally from mm. New York. Yes, he's from upstate New York, but he lived most of his life in the UK. And um, his real he, name is Muscatello, right? His real last well, name. Well, his father's is... name is Muscatello, yes. And he and, changed it. I, he changed it? Yes, he did. Right. He did as a, as a, because his mother is from Irish descent. Most of his family is in the UK. And mm. um, that's, that's basically, and he felt more at home in the UK since he was a young boy. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. studied abroad, studied in the UK and in the Europe. So, and he, he yeah. kind of created like a sort of persona for himself, wouldn't you say? I think Thomas, it's like, I think if, if I became Anton Vandermeer, mm -hmm. because it was easier. So I think in that, in his regard, yes, he did create. I don't think he created Thomas. Thomas is so who he is. He's so down to earth. He's so, there's no airs or graces with him. Mm. And, but he has got this intense love for the monarchy and for the queen. And he really wants to always fight for the crown. Now, if right, you want to see right. a man no, no. that's fighting for the crown, that's him. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's, it's a very interesting, you know, you, 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 are, you two are very interesting people, you know. Um, I, I think the idea of creating this sort of, you know, or, or having this um, 
you know, he, he has a very, he has a knack for publicity. Let's just put it that way. And I think you have to have that. You know, no, like you have to have, at, yeah. you have to uh, have an understanding of what makes people tick and what gets people interested. And he clearly has gotten people interested in him. Mm. And he has used that to tell this story. So my question is, behind that, what is the fascination with the Queen? Where does that come from? Let's just talk about your view on this. Where does your fascination with this come from growing up in South Africa, Port Elizabeth? What was your first exposure to the Queen, Queen Elizabeth? Um, and, and, and why? Why do you find her so fascinating? And w what is it? Mm. Well, first and foremost, I am three quarters Dutch and one quarter Welsh. So my, fa my father's side, his grandfather and his grandmother and his, his mother, they all had Welsh, they are Welsh descent. So we had the, English, the, the Welsh side of it, uh, the English side. And because of that, there was a, a, quite a big fascination with the monarchy on that side of my family. And um, then obviously following, following the, what's happened in the royal family, I mean, they are the most well-known family in the world, royal family. Did you have a picture of the royals at your home growing up? Not in our house, but definitely in my grandmother's house. She had, mm. a, she had a photo of the And, when, of and the was she a first-generation immigrant to South Africa? No, she, her father was. So she mm. was born in South Africa, mm. but her father and mother was born in Wales. So, and then that's why they, that's why they were quite, they brought in that, that aspect of the culture into my life. Mm. And then um, obviously growing up in South Africa in the apartheid years, um, we didn't, England was because of, well, I don't want to get all political, but no, no, it's okay. Factor, no, this is, this is the interesting, this is, you know, this is, <laughs> because of factor, my listeners like always, this stuff. We and always do, had a great too. connection. South Africa had a good connection with England. Um, where they might not have had the best connection with the rest of the world, and, and uh, rightly so, because what happened in the country was terrible. It was terrible. I will never, ever condone that um, but uh, or stand for it. But mm -hmm. then, obviously, everything changed. And 93, I was I finished school in 93 and 94. Mm -hmm. uh, Nelson Mandela was let free, and the country changed. And then in 95, when everything after that first general election and the and the ANC took over, and President Nelson Mandela became the ruler of the the, the president of the country. Mm -hmm. um, uh, obviously, the Queen uh, came to visit because she and, and the president was very very close. And there was and that was she came throughout through the country. I was at that stage one of the soloists with the university. Of Port Elizabeth Choir. Um, I actually studied law, and then I only no started. <laughs> I started adding on music later. <laughs> so, and um, but uh, we were one of the very first fully multi-integrated, multiracial choirs in South Africa. So you had the full Rainbow Nation, yeah. and we were singing Western music as we would sing proper Western music, cathedral-style music. But then we would also sing traditional African mm -hmm. music. Sure. So it was really an amazing uh, blend of everything, which was typical, what, what really portrayed the Rainbow Nation wonderfully. Mm -hmm. And um, but by that, because she came to Port Elizabeth, which is close to the area where President Nelson Mandela um, grew up, uh, we had the full, very, very fortunate experience to perform for her and to meet her. So that mm -hmm. was my very first special meeting, obviously, with the Queen. And I so hope that we can actually still present this uh, this anthem to her in person, which would make my second meeting with along with with all the others that's already met her a few times. So um, that is where it happened. But because I also love history and I had my my the cultural background from my grandparents, um, I I love the story. I love the fact that this this young girl was never supposed to be queen. Then history changed with her uncle. Her father became king. He was quite, you know, he was never a, a very well man. And she became such a, a queen at such a young age, which is, is almost a little bit unheard of also. Most, most monarchs these days, because of medical technology, they live a lot longer. So your, the, 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 the kings and, and the and queens that follow are usually a little bit older. And it was just an amazing history lesson for me to just follow her and everything. And then obviously we had the massive um, uh, uh, fascination with Princess Diana. 
I can remember that whole incident mm. very, very well. Um, it, it actually happened the day before my birthday. And I was a little bit shocked waking up that morning and hearing all this news. So um, obviously, they've always been the pinnacle of royal families in the world. And it's always been the whole, the, the whole, the almost fairy tale story around what happens to them. So that I think that was part of the fascination. But then also the fact that she is such a dedicated, steadfast, wonderful, um, strong rock. That's really the 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 that really keeps even this country together in, in mm -hmm. the UK. Uh, I think everybody can say that. They might, they might not be royalists, but they can definitely say that the Queen is, has really been amazing the last 70 years and what she's done and achieved. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's been wonderful. So I think I just have got the, the utmost respect for, the, for her, the most reverence for her. I just think she's wonderful. And it was not difficult yeah. for me to write the music or the lyrics to this. It just came out. <laughs> yeah. No, so, I mean, you were the right person to do it, you know, because you have a relation to uh, to that particular subject, you know, and it's a, it, it's sort of, uh, you know, uh, politically it's complicated, you know. There are, there are a lot of people that mm. will say uh, the opposite of, of what you're saying and um, about this person, you know, about the royals in general. And um, but, but look, you know, like it's not really, uh, I don't really, personally, I don't really have an opinion, you know. I'm, I'm not, uh, I didn't grow up British, you know, I'm, it's a... Uh, even though we grew up in South Africa, it wasn't, you know, it didn't really affect that, you know. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Germany, I, where I was born, you know, doesn't, didn't have, you know, we got rid of the a monarchy, you know, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it, it, culturally, it's not something I can, uh, you know, directly relate to. But I, I, I've, I, I'm fascinated by the the mechanics of it. You know, I'm fascinated with the... Um, uh, how something like that sort of uh, like a, a monarchy can still exist, you know, in a time when that's very, very different. But uh, look, you know, it, it's every generation. It's like a Paul Simon lyric, you know, like every generation throws a hero up the pop charts. Mm. You know, we, we mm. have to have our heroes. We have to have our leaders because these people uh, give inspiration to a large very amount of people. So. And when that stops... Uh, they fall mm. you know the other mm. thing that happens is is uh they get torn down and yeah. there is that whole side you know because you you we love creating these you know ideological figures mm. and then we love tearing them down you know as True. soon as you get up there we love exactly. coming at you and canceling you now it's called cancel culture yeah the cancel generation is, you know oh god you know, give me a break on that one but hey <laughs> uh, everybody has to have something to do so you know i can only think that these people must be really bored um you know that have to cancel people on twitter um anyway mm -hmm. and uh half of them are probably bots too so we don't <laughs> I, i'm sure you're following all of that by the way i have yes. to I wanted to actually start the show off like this, but I literally, just before I w came on with you, I saw on Twitter that Ray Liotta has died. Oh, yes. Did you see yes, that? Yes, I also, I also saw that just now. My um, God, what a was, talent. It, it's very sad. It's Brilliant. so sad. And, you know, he, he uh, f fell asleep and never woke up. Mm. He died in his mm. sleep at 67 or 16. Yeah, it's still so young, isn't it? Insane. So, mm. and, and there's two other people that I heard that I know personally that died this week in oh. their sleep. Yes. One was 59. One was, uh, anyway, you know, I'm, I'm like scratching my head going, what is going on mm. here? You know? Mm. Anyway, it, it's kind of weird. Like it, it made me, it really made me, uh, it was a stunner when I saw that. So I just want to give a shout out to Ray and his family and mm. uh, condolences. Um, I'm a huge fan. And yes, um, so was I, you know, so I'm sorry, I had to I had to bring that in because uh, it, it's very timely. But um, as we're taping this here on May 26, 2022. But um, back to you, back to you. Um, growing up in Port Elizabeth, mm -hmm. siblings, brothers, sisters? Yes, I have got a younger brother. 
Um, mm. And he is actually, well, he's now living in, in Somerset West, close Somerset to Cape Town. West. Somerset West. West. <laughs> yeah, Somerset West. <laughs> my, my stepsister lives there. Oh, really? Yes. Wonderful. Somerset How often West. do you go back? Well, I, the last few years I went back a lot because I was uh, working on a record and I was, um, uh, I attended several BMI songwriting camps and I started touring. I was actually, yeah. this is a, kind of a crazy story. Okay. I, I don't know if I've told this on my, on the show. Um, in, I think it was 2015 or so, or 2016. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Um, I get a, uh, um, I get a, uh, an, an email from the Sunday times south africa through my website mm -hmm. um asking if i would be interested in doing an interview about being a traveling musician and i was traveling mm -hmm. a lot then i was playing shows in the u.s i was playing shows in germany you know i was playing shows in the uk i was you know i was on the road all the time um mm -hmm. and so somehow they had gotten wind of me uh you know heard about me or whatever and uh uh, so I said, yeah, sure. And they sent me the questions and it was 10 questions and I answered them, you know, well, what's it like? Do you write songs mm. while you're flying? You know, where are you on the plane? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like those, like a traveling musician mm. type of, like a blog, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so the interview runs, uh, Vernon Shaw. I just remembered the name of the journalist. Oh, I know that name. Yes. Do you, do you Vernon Shaw? Yes. Vernon she's Shaw, fabulous. Yeah. She, she's been writing yeah. for Sunday times, South Africa for a long time. Anyway, shout out to Vernon. Hi Vernon. If you're listening. <laughs> um, and thanks for doing that because it changed my life. So I hadn't been back to South Africa since I was a kid, since I was a boy, yeah. we left when I was 11. And, uh, so, I, I was very excited to hear from her, and um, I'd sent the questions back. The, the interview runs in the Sunday Times. Two days, or the same day, I got an email from my favorite fourth grade teacher at the DSJ, the German school in Johannesburg, the Deutsche Schule mm -hmm. zu Johannesburg, which is now an international school. Yeah. And it's Traute Riester. That's, that's the name of my favorite fourth mm -hmm. grade teacher. She was fabulous. She was, you know, wonderfully Wonderful. educated and a, gr a gifted gifted teacher yeah you know someone that recognizes talent and is in, in, is has a great empowering. ability to, to is empowering an ability to impart wisdom and knowledge you know to mm. uh, young people you know which is a gift which is what we need so she uh, she writes to me hey it's me told you do you remember me and you know wow and i see you're in music now and you're making records and wow that's so great you know you're a singer how cool you know i think you should uh, I want to put you in touch with the DSJ, with the German school in Johannesburg, because they have a big 125th anniversary concert coming up, and I think you should perform. Wow. And I I said, well, I would be delighted, <laughs> you know, because I, I used to, um, I believe in creative visualization, you know, I'd, mm -hmm. I imagine what I want to see happen in my life, and I chant, and I, you know, I do, I do that kind of an exercise. Mm, so Shakti Gawain, I don't, I don't know if you know who that is. She wrote a yeah. book called Visual uh, Creative Visualization, and I, I love that stuff. So, um, and it works for me, you know. It may not work for you, but for me, it works very well. Um, so I thought, because I'd always imagined, if I go back to South Africa, I will go back with music, like that mm. was my goal. Go back yeah. with a show get paid, go down there and sing. And, uh, and I did, you yeah. know, so that I got in touch with the school and they made me a very nice offer to sing two songs with the, with, um, Richard Koch conducting. You, I know you him. Know well, who that yes. is. National yeah, Symphony. Yes. Have you sung with him or worked with him? Or I haven't, but my cousin actually organizes, she works for Rand Merchant Bank and they do Starlight okay. Classics every year. Yeah. So, and Richard and they are very, very close friends. So I've yeah. met Richard through her. Lovely man. Lovely yes, man. Very Extremely, nice. very organized, very, just Indeed. a total pro. So they had him conduct the uh, three different choruses from Vintook, Pretoria and Johannesburg uh -huh. and the school orchestra and uh, who were very good. And uh, I was uh, the soloist. I was their special yeah. guest and I sang uh, Toto's Africa. Great oh, yes. Song. I love that. And Skyfall by Adele. Oh wow! Great, <laughs> okay. Another great song. Two massive numbers, <laughs> dude. And I had I had the time of my life, man. And uh, you know, it was a, there's a video of it on YouTube, and um, there's a clip there. of it anyway. Uh, but you know, that was my sort of 
my return to South Africa. And it was mm. completely wow. per, per chance, you know. And then after that, I, then I met my now agent, Melissa Conradi, who I still work with, who books me there uh-huh. and uh-huh. who's a, a great publicist and radio promoter in South Africa. Yeah. And I started attending BMI songwriting camps. And, you know, like it was a very synergetic how it happened, you know, yeah. kind of similar to what you're describing on yeah. how, you know, place. how you're, yes, how that path, you know, gets created. And then I ended up getting signed to Gallo. Gallo picked oh, yes. up my album in tandem. Gallo was, just, yes. which is the biggest and oldest record company in Africa. Yeah, it um, is. And yeah. they picked up my album in tandem. That Karen Zoyn was a guest on, and Annie Haslam from Renaissance, and Tamara Day, yes. and uh, R.J. Benjamin produced it, and um, wow. Talali Machene is on it as a guest. And my, I have a great South African band, you know, who play on mm. actually who are on the house band on Idols South Africa. Yes, which is their version, South African version of American Idol. Yeah. You know, so anyway, it's a small world, as you know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it, it's um, it, it changed my life. It was that one email and the fact that my favorite fourth grade teacher happened to wow. read that inter- that interview. And there yeah. you go. You know, so uh, you never know, amazing. folks. You never know. Amazing. That's amazing. Now, it's very interesting. You spoke about Karen Zoid because one of my best school friends, also Van Amberve, Skulk Van Amberve, he is her bassist. No way. He plays the bass, yeah, for oh, Karen Zoid. Oh, shot it. Are you serious? Yes. I don't know if you ever no. worked with him also. No, I so, No. Yeah, so it's just no. such a small world, isn't it? Wow. Wow. Amazing. Well, that's wild. That's wild. Well, uh, you'll have to uh, send a link to this podcast to him if yeah, you're I will. still in touch that's with him. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, let's... let's um, we have to tie it up soon, but I, I've had a really good time talking to you. You know, I really Thank love you, your so background. Yeah. And I'm sorry, uh, Thomas hasn't been able to join us yet, but there was some, he had some technical issues. Maybe we'll have him back on another show because I really want to pick his brain too, you know, mm, because he has this, it's, it's a real obsession that he has with the, the queen and, and that the, the monarchy, like it's, it's yeah. really, it's intense, man. Like this guy is like, he doesn't <laughs> screw around, man. It's like, he is no, it's- obsessed. I, I actually have the, the world's respect for him because of that. The mm-hmm. fact that he really feels, I think it's also something that's quite spiritual and deep within him that actually drives him for that. What do you think it that is? is? Um, well, if we want to start. Yeah, man, he, lay it out. We, yeah. we are, I mean, talking about spirituality and uh, just hearing what you said. I am a firm believer that life is a circle of karma. And I do believe in previous lives or or reincarnation. And um, I've actually had experiences with that type of thing also. And the funny thing with him is that he really feels that possibly in a previous life, he was in an aristocratic situation or in royalty. Now, I mean, it sounds strange. Not everybody's going to believe that. Has he ever done like a, gen- uh, like a genealogy test? You Because you can look that up now. It's not really a genealogy test, is it? It's, it's souls coming back. If you're going to believe in visualizing and seeing things and making this illusion world manifest what you would like to, all of these other things also come into play. Perhaps. So, Perhaps. <laughs> so this can be a lovely conversation that we might have to have on a different time again. Mm. But I, for instance, also have experience where they, things like that has been said to me. And in my spiritual growth, um, I've been in situations where uh, what they would call like prophetic schools or anything as such. And there was always things prophesied over me or saying that, I would sit in a, in a hall of 300 people right in the middle and this man in front would go, you young man, stand up. And then he would start talking and he would say, you will do this. You will perform in front of 50,000 people in the stadium, which also actually happened um, in, in Stellenbosch. And things like that, there's going to be things that's going to be international music that's going to come your way. But in my life, it's never been this little journey that you would, this timeline that you would expect. Mm-hmm. It's not that you study this, then this, it's like yours. Something out of the blue happened and it changed your life. So this is, this is why I, I see a bigger picture. I stand back and I, and I, see, I see something even with, like, with that with Thomas. Because once again, when, when he 
came into my life that was also quite um, uh, an unusual experience. And then when he phoned me, it wasn't out of the blue. We were in contact, but we weren't uh, like daily in contact. And that happened. And then another good friend of mine that's also quite spiritual said, you've got to go for that. This is, I see you two working together. And there's not only this project, but there's several other projects that's going to grow from this. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's actually the time, the season for your life for this to mm-hmm. start happening. Mm-hmm. So touch wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That is stepping in to the situation. But I mean, even like that's something else I actually want to touch on, but you mentioned earlier about, that, uh, about these people that you've known that's passed. This might have been one of the most amazing years of my life, but it's also been one of the saddest because I lost my father mm-hmm. at the age of 74 in August last year. Sorry. So where I've had this whole journey my whole life where my father was, he was encouraging, but he, he was always quite protective of me. So that's why I studied initially when I studied medicine for six months, dropped out, then studied law, got the law degree. And I sneaked in the performing, music performing arts subjects and the music subjects because he wasn't keen on that. And, and then mm-hmm. the, my journey went on and he was really, really proud. When things really started taking off and, and good jobs and things came my way, he was very proud. But he always said, there's this big break that I'm hoping for you. And it's, it was quite sad that just before he could actually see all of this happening, he passed. Mm. So... So once again, there's, there's this higher purpose and this higher thing happening. And you wonder why, why this is happening, why that's happening. And then, but then I also see that there's almost a new birth and there's a new opening up, almost an uh, 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 upliftment that's happening in the human race overall that is happening at the moment. And very often to come back to, to souls need to go now to be reborn for the next phase. Oh, I know I've opened a can of worms now. No, not at all. But- not at all. Look, you know, I, I uh, look. I, there's not. There's not much you can throw at me that will surprise me about uh, the world. You know, um, as 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 uh, as much as I get cynical about things, I also am. I still wake up every day and I go, "This is a gift." Life is a gift, and I can do anything today because of where I am and uh, the work I've put in and the society that I happen to have been born into. You know, so mm-hmm. a lot of it is circumstantial, but I think what what I want to see uh, the world come to is the appreciation of it mm. and understanding how lucky we are actually, because I don't think people know how good they have it, mm. you know, a lot of the time. And that, yeah. I, I, that I have issues with, you know, because mm. I think every day is a gift because you never know what's going to happen. You never know, oh, you know. True. Um, I want to quickly, before we go, mention Olga, mm. the composer. Yes. Olga Thomas, also a Thomas, another Thomas, but yes. her, that's her surname. But that's she, her, that's actually Russian, her right? She's from name. Moscow. Yes, Thomas is her married name. I can't pronounce her her Russian name. She's Olga Thomas. I like that you were Russian. Like you, you yeah. rolled that so, R. Here she is. She is a lovely, lovely lady. Bosovskaya. Um, Olga Thomas Bosovskaya yes. is her. Yeah. And she's the composer of both pieces. And no. but you also are the composer, no? Like how did she's only composer for British nations, the very classical piece. And right. I'm the composer of We Thank You from Our Hearts. All right. So the, you, the you wrote all the music. You wrote all the music for that? Yes. And the oh, lyrics are Thomas from... Thomas and I wrote the lyrics together. So it, like I it. said before, Thomas and I sat down, we, we looked at the concepts, and then we started the, I started, I had the melody in my head, obviously, and as you know, writing a song, the lyrics need to go with the melody. And um, also knowing which, which vowel sounds best on certain notes and whatever. So all of that happened. I wrote the music and the and the you know we worked out the chord structure and then I myself and my South African producer at that stage he was actually in Argentina 
um, Etienne Lane from Sound Evolution Studios. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing, amazing man. We met in 2016 and we recorded most of my other stuff that's on my album, um, uh, which is most of the covers, the crossover classical covers and musical theatre songs. And uh, I love working with him because we are so once again in tune. Mm -hmm. I can just say, do this, and he knows exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. And do that. So, so we sat down and we and we and we we orchestrated the piece. Um, we wanted to bring in all most of the Commonwealth into it, so we had to create all those sounds and yeah. also, you know, bringing in the chanting and everything. Mm -hmm. um, a little a little unknown fact is that I am actually singing on the album also because I am doing the Maori uh, the, the, the Maori chanting also and then the Swahili chanting. I did record the Swahili mm -hmm. chanting with um, with the London Community Gospel Choir, but yeah, but I but we I sang mm -hmm. and then the Maori is <laughs> is actually all me. I'm, it's not it's not a true New Zealand Maori. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nature. That's cool. That's cool. Do you have um there's some multi-talented uh uh stuff going on there. Now the um Olga Thomas, how did you can how did you guys connect with her? Or how did she Olga, come into the picture? Uh, she became grand arts patron for the British Monica Society. She is a a an amazing um follower of the Queen also, and she's a she's a very strong monarchist, and she joined the society. And, and through that, Tom, Thomas and I had the initial idea of, in, because we wanted to take the song around the world, but we did want to start in England, we wanted to start with the coronation. So we just had this idea of initially creating these, um, this music that would happen in the Westminster Cathedral. And so, but we thought, okay, I, I was initially going to do that. But then he said, well, we've got Olga. Why do not we? Why don't we approach her? She has now had a, quite a few number ones um, uh, uh, on the uh, on the classical chart for for the Queen specifically because everything she wrote writes is almost as for as for the royal family. Um, she's she does she's not commissioned. She does it once again out of her own accord, and she usually works with with the the um, military bands and orchestras with that. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, and then we said, well, that's great. And we said, okay, well, she can compose a suite. She can compose. And initially, we we're just going to use a, a part of it. But then it was so good that we, it had to become a full piece on its own. So, um, yeah, so that's how it all happened. Yeah. Uh, she became, she was Monica. She became part of the society. And then Thomas reached out as, as that. And we became all very good friends and started mm -hmm. working together. It's been an amazing experience. So this is still very new. This just came out about a month ago. And yeah. uh, how can people find this music and how can people find you? How can they stay in touch with you? Yes. Well, it's all available on our website, the PlatinumJubilee2020.com website. And also it's on all the, the platforms, digital platforms and streaming platforms. The title of the song is, of course, E double I R Elizabeth the Second Regina. Um, that's what the E double I R stands for. The Platinum Record, and then uh, a Jubilee Anthem, mm -hmm. and then uh, as I said, August pieces entitled Four British Nations, and minors. We thank you from our hearts, which is more of the you know as I said the contemporary piece. And uh, yes, it's available on iTunes and Spotify and Deezer and Amazon Music and all the big outlets right. and we've also also got some special edition cds uh we've only printed 70 for the 70 years for the queen um the queen is getting number one of number 70 and then um then the, they're also available on our website um so right. the, the, for that's a little a, a nice little keepsake and we have actually just had amazing news today um we are actually being featured on sky sport now, this is quite interesting. As Rodney, Are you going to do somersaults and sing? What, what, what's going to happen? <laughs> no, it is going to be the start of the England-New Zealand cricket match. on oh, the second at, at Lord's, yes. <laughs> at Lord's Cricket Ground. And Rodney and Leslie will be performing. Uh, we thank you from our hearts here. That Fabulous. Congrats. The, um, international television. So That should get it heard by some more people. Yes. Yes. Well, Anton, thank you. Uh, thank you do you still, do you still speak Afrikaans? Baya. Yes, Baya. Do you really? Yeah. I'm not fluent in it, but uh, when I was, when we were about to leave, you know, uh, South Africa, I, because uh, I was in fifth grade, 
it was mandatory. Yes. They uh, they put Afrikaans in there, you know. So I took about six yeah. months of it, and I I learned a little. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's a it's a it's an interesting language with a very interesting history. But yes. yeah, man, uh, it's really it's been a pleasure. You know, it um, we it was a little different, you know, from what we usually have on the show. So uh, thank you and thank you, Bia, for for making yes, it happen. Beatrice at Impact PR, our good friend, who sends us lots of talent. And folks, we only have, I believe we have, okay, a couple of announcements I have to make. So I'm heading on the road. I've, I'm starting to tour again. So we are tying up this season, season four of Making Sound relatively soon. We have one more guest, Howard Bloom, who uh, is, um, who was, my God, he was uh, Prince's publicist and Michael Jackson's publicist and uh, Lionel Richie and many other folks. He, we finally got him rescheduled for middle of June or so. And then I'm heading to the NAM show, the NAM show in Anaheim, California, June 2nd, 3rd, 4th. And then I have some shows in Bishop. I have a show in Bishop, California on June 8th and a show in the Bay Area on June 11th. And then I'm back in New York uh, June 18th and New Jersey June 19th for shows. So come and check those out. And um, I am going to have a NAM special of Making Sound where I'm going to be talking to different musicians and music manufacturers there. So stay tuned for that, folks. And I want to thank my guest, Anton van der Mer. For being on the show, yeah. nice talking to you, and congrats on the on the album and uh, the jubilee of Queen Elizabeth for her seventieth. And check that music out, folks, and we will see you next time.